Hello, hello, and welcome to Non-Technical, where I, your host, Alexis Gay, interview influential folks from tech, media, business, and beyond about everything except their resumes. Today on the show, I'm so earnestly, wholesomely excited to say we have Ashley Mayer, a startup comms pro turned investor. Though she's done a lot of other super impressive, really interesting things prior to that, which admittedly, I'm not gonna ask her that much about. Ashley, thank you so much for being here. Alexis, thank you so much for having me. I am so honored. Many of my favorite people have been guests on yes. Technical. And I was thinking about it. Like there are podcasts I listen to where I would go to the conference version of that podcast. Mm-hmm. There are podcasts where I would go to like the dinner version where all the guests are attendees. Yep. But I think yep. non-technical is the only podcast I want to go on a vacation with. So well done. And let's make that happen. Let's get that on the calendar. Ashley, I'm so excited to have you. Are you ready to dive in? Let's do it. Let's do it. This episode of Non-Technical is brought to you by Bets Recruiting. Hell yeah, you heard that right. It's a summer bets blockbuster, baby. The return of Bets Recruiting. Two bets, two furious. Tagline, this time all bets are on. I'm so happy to have Bets Recruiting back as a sponsor of Non-Technical. Not only is Bets Recruiting the only recruiting firm by recruiters for recruiters, but they've been trusted for more than a decade to build out sales, marketing, and customer success teams. More than a decade. Name one company that's been around for more than a decade. That's right, it's Bets Recruiting. In that time, Bets has partnered with thousands of tech companies, helped build 30 plus unicorns, and supported tens of thousands of people along their career trajectory. If you're hiring go-to-market talent, or you are go-to-market talent, check out betsrecruiting.com slash non-technical. I bet you won't be disappointed. Bets, you can have that catchphrase if you want. That one's on the house. Ashley Mayer is a startup comms pro turned investor. She's a co-founder and GP of Coalition Operators, where she backs early stage companies shaping the future of work, commerce, and climate. Ashley is also on the Operating Council of Mixing Board, a collective of top comms and brand leaders, and the team at Climate Draft, an effort to mobilize talent and resources for the climate tech category. Ashley's first startup job was at Box, where she led communications for six years, from 50-person team through IPO, and desperately tried to make enterprise software sexy. She then joined venture capital firm Social Capital, where she led comms and marketing, helping founders tell their stories and launching new capital products. She then entered the world of beauty, essentially the opposite of enterprise software, and was VP of comms at Glossier for three years. Ashley Mayer, welcome to Non-Technical. Thank you. I'm so thrilled to have you here. This is one of my favorite types of episode, which is a friend episode because we're friends in real life. We love to hear it. (laughs) We love to hear it, exactly. And like you said before, you've had many other friends on Non-Technical as well. Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of afraid to name drop because, you know, I don't want to call anyone out, but yes. I support it personally. Totally. Uh, Some of my favorite people on here, also people I would like to be friends with. So (gasps) um, it's a very aspirational podcast for me. Thank you. (laughs) It's also my first podcast I've ever done. You know, we'll see how this goes. I feel very honored that it's my podcast as your first podcast. Absolutely. Kind of a huge deal. I promise to take that responsibility very seriously. With great power (laughs) comes great responsibility, but I am going to rise to the occasion for you. Thank you, Alexis. Yeah, hopefully this is not the end of my podcast career, Um, but if it is, what a way to go. What a way to go out in just like an absolute blaze of glory. (laughs) A quick one and done on non-technical. 
Exactly. Okay. So Ashley, tell me this. How did you spend your last day off? Well, I don't know if this really counts, but I wasn't working. So I think it does. It was actually this past weekend. We were moving into our new apartment. I guess we moved Mm -hmm. here about a month ago, but I've been traveling a bunch. Here being the great city of New York. Yes. Sorry. Yes. In Brooklyn, more specifically, uh, we were on the road for two years during the pandemic, driving around the country four times. And we finally re-entered society and have a week (laughs) like normal people. And Saturday and Sunday, I got to spend unpacking. And that sounds really boring. But when you haven't seen your stuff for two years, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's almost archaeological in nature. So (laughs) it's kind of like, it's kind of like a little um, time capsule from my pre-pandemic life. And some of it is incredible to be reunited with. And some of it is just weird. And I don't understand what I was thinking. So that was my weekend. What's the weirdest thing you've excavated? I just don't understand what kind of wardrobe I was trying to build (laughs) pre-pandemic. I think 50% of the clothes that I have can only be worn on like a summer vacation or to a wedding. So just wildly impractical. I only went shopping when I felt really inspired by an event. And hence I have a wardrobe that does not really suit my actual lifestyle, which only involves, you know, a few weddings and a few vacations if I'm lucky in any given year. Okay, true. However, in a way, it's sort of like the opposite of dress for the job you want. It's like dress for the vacation you want. Yeah. I'm actually a huge proponent of dress for the weather you want, which which Ooh. does often come Ooh. back to bite me. But yes, dress for the vacation you want feels like a an expansion of that life philosophy. It kind of sounds like you're ready for our non-technical retreat vacation that you mentioned yeah, at the top. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, we could go for a whole year. I have enough dresses, <laughs> so let's do it. I can I can also outfit the full, the whole full squad crew. Yeah. Yes. However many Good. 50 people, whatever, yeah. whatever the, the squad is. I got that. <laughs> wow. We are going to look incredible. <laughs> we really are. We really are. I'm going to pretend not to be offended that you brought up Saturday and didn't even mention that you saw me as part of your last day <laughs> off. That's totally fine. I don't feel bad about it at all. I guess you already outed us as friends. And yes. so therefore, like, it's not a name drop if I, <laughs> if I know that we did hang out. No. <laughs> we even burned some incense together, we Alexis. <laughs> I don't know if that was on oh or off God. the record, but it was, it was a lovely New York early summer hang. I and mean, I'm very proud of it. Not at all ashamed of the time we spent together. Thank you. Okay. I just needed yeah. you to go on the record. <laughs> saying, we can stop recording at this point. I just needed you to go on the record as saying I was not ashamed to be your friend. I was not ashamed to see you Saturday Good. night and I will not deny it. Thank you. People fact check that later. You're going yeah. on the record. Right. Okay. Fantastic. I'm thrilled to hear it. There were witnesses. Alexia, <laughs> she's going to vouch Oh, for we me. just name dropped another. Yeah. <laughs> Here we go. We're going to get them all. Oh my God. Can you imagine? I wonder how many we could do. You legitimately do know a high percentage of the guests. Yeah. 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 Non-technical bingo. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, we'll see. We'll see if I can weave it in organically. Yes. (laughs) Hopefully everyone will forgive me for outing the friendships. Do you often try to not out your friendships in the public arena? You know, it's such an interesting question. I think I do err on the side of not promoting friendships Mm. or letting the other person do it. And maybe it's because, 
and I promise not to get like too technical, but <laughs> you know, I spent my entire early part of my career for decade of my career in San Francisco in tech, like your social and professional lives are very mm. intertwined. And I think I just always wanted to be sensitive to other people's professional brands. Oh. And maybe also because, you know, if I'm a comms person, I have media friends. Mm -hmm. So yeah. And, and my husband and I, like, we don't banter on Twitter. We're like almost stealth in that way. And my default is not to do it, but like, let's throw wow. that out the window and I'm going to name and shame today. Yeah. Name and shame. <laughs> That's good. Let it all hang out. All the naming, all the shaming. Exactly. I am just so the opposite of that. I'm always like, oh yeah, my friend so-and-so, my friend this. I was hanging out with this person. <laughs> I guess I assume if someone has subscribed to being my friend, they're ready for it. You know, like you kind of know what you're getting into. Yeah. There should be like a little onboarding process though, where they sign a waiver and, yeah. you know, like check the box that they are, they are ready to be named on like all channels. <laughs> I, I also think Alexis, I don't know if you experienced this at all, but because we were driving around during the pandemic, like we really organized our lives around spending time with like friends and family and yeah. pre-vax, that was like quite, uh, quite mm. an effort. Like we would go yes. somewhere, we would isolate, we would test if we could test, if we couldn't test, we would isolate for two weeks and seeing friends felt like the most like magical, but also somewhat mm. illicit thing. Right. It was yes. really special. And so I really got out of habit. I used to post all these photos of like, oh, here I am doing things with friends. Oh. And I got out of habit during the pandemic because, right. you know, people could be kind of judgy about how other people yeah, were living yeah. their lives. And I never wanted to pull anyone into that. But again, this is like my paranoid comms brain. Like I'm always doing this little risk reward calculation. So yeah, I, I definitely am out of practice and sort of like, showing my friends off to the world. Totally. Feel free to show me off whenever you want. I think my entire Instagram feed is just going to be photos of us hanging out and burning incense on rooftops. Yes. Burning incense on rooftops and drinking coffee. Yeah. Okay. So Ashley, is there a song that whenever you hear it takes you back in time? There is a song. And, and speaking of all of the dresses I have that are wedding appropriate, this is a song that I basically only ever hear now on wedding dance floors. It's Shakira's Hips Don't Lie. <laughs> what a jam. What a jam. And it came out when I was, uh, I guess, a junior in college okay. and studying abroad in Spain. And so I know, mm. I know Shakira's from Colombia, but yes. like, you know, the half Spanish, half English, it really felt like our anthem. And How that fun. was also the danciest, danciest era of my life. And whenever I hear that song, I'm just like transported back to those six months when I probably had peak freedom, uh, yes. in my, you know, entire life and, and a lot of, a lot of fun, a lot of dancing. That sounds amazing. Yeah. I have Shakira to think. I love that song. That's a great dancing song. What do we think she means by my hips don't lie? I never understood that her hips don't lie. I just, I don't, I don't get it. Do you get it? I think she's such a good dancer that, that she's not like, you couldn't fake that being that in the moment. Oh, right. Okay. Perfect. I think it's like my hips don't lie. I'm starting to feel it right. I'm going to mess up <laughs> if I try to do all the lyrics, but like someone who dances like Shakira, like okay. her hips don't lie. Her hips don't lie. Okay, cool. I've always wondered that. I just <laughs> wanted to ask what you thought. Mine sometimes do, but Shakira's never. <laughs> Deep same. Ashley. Okay. So what is something that you're really good at that it would surprise most people to learn about you? You know, I think I probably, I, I don't do like berries or CrossFit or run or really do like mm -hmm. any exercise these days. 
So maybe people who know me in sort of more recent eras would be surprised to know that I was just like a total jock growing up. Oh yeah. I played all the sports. I was especially obsessed with baseball. I was the only girl on my little league team for two years. Really? A League of Their Own was my favorite movie. Oh my gosh. Yeah, my dream in life was to become the first woman Major League Baseball player. So clearly I have failed my younger self gravely. Oh my gosh. And I was pretty serious all through high school. I played volleyball year round, played softball. Sadly, I was not good enough to really pursue a career of an athletic nature, but I've still retained some of that muscle memory and like basic hand-eye coordination. Yes. And I am extremely competitive. Really? Yeah. (laughs) Actually, this is not a call to follow me because I'm super boring on Instagram, but my Instagram handle is HeySmashly. And I think people probably assume that that's a reference to to drinking maybe, but actually it's a reference to... (laughs) Ping pong, my first startup job, which we will not discuss, (laughs) we had a ping pong table and we'd play. And I'm like on the scale of like ping pong skill, I'm somewhere, somewhere around the middle, but on the Mm. scale of aggressiveness, I am like at the extreme. And so (laughs) anytime there's an opportunity for a kill, I will take it. Love that. And smashly. So very competitive. You have been warned if we ever casually play yes. any kind of sport, you will see me go into my prior jock mode. That's amazing. I'm glad to know that that's why your Instagram handle is Hey Smashly because I didn't know and I meant to ask. Yeah. Now Probably we know. bad branding, but you know, I'm, I'm sticking with it. I think you should stick with it. Also, did you know that I was the only girl on my fifth grade baseball team for a similar reason? Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. Maybe this is why we're friends. Maybe. I mean, that's a pretty unique formative experience. We didn't have a softball team and I had played softball at my local town level. But when I went to a school with sports, they didn't offer softball. And so that was the only way that I could play was to be the only girl on the team. Wow. I had the reverse thing happen to me, which is when I went to middle school, they forced me to play softball. They wouldn't let me play baseball. Ah, okay. We did eventually get a softball team. Yeah, yeah. But it's so different. I mean, the distance between the bases, the obviously mm-hmm. the underhand, the ball is huge. I like I loved baseball so much. So okay, well we have maybe we should go like play. Oh my god, should we go have a catch? <laughs> I literally we haven't sh- thrown a baseball in like, I don't know, fifteen years. I don't think I have either. Okay, actually wait, it was seventh grade, not fifth grade. For all the fact checkers out there. No, but that's a that's a bigger deal, right? Because like by that, like in fifth grade, the boys are still really small for the most yes. part. Like they get their yes. growth spurts later. But by seventh grade, you know, you're really holding your own as like yes. the, the sole girl. Exactly. Do you play tennis? If- <laughs> okay. So I know you play tennis and yes. now I live really near some tennis courts. Yes. And I took some tennis lessons when I was maybe in middle school. And it's a sport that I have always wanted to cultivate because it actually, it feels like a sport you can grow into, right? Like you can be older and playing tennis. I have actually thought maybe if I get tennis lessons, Alexis and I can become tennis friends. I don't know that I'm like ready to be a tennis friend yet. Like I feel like I have to do a little, like a little groundwork first. No, I don't think so. I think you're ready. Yeah. First of all, I don't think I'm good enough where it's going to be a problem. (laughs) And then also, even if I was, I would not care. I think we would just have fun. I am not competitive in this way. I'm not competitive in the I have to win the casual game way. But I will support you if you are. 
Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just be prepared. Smashly is going to come to play, <laughs> even if she has no idea what she's doing. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a wild game. And let's just hope there aren't people on like the adjoining courts. I love it so much. For their okay, safety. Cool. That'll be exciting. <laughs> Do you have a favorite joke? I, you know, it's funny. I think when I was little, I had like a whole portfolio of jokes that I like really? to whip out to uh, impress the grownups around me. I don't have a favorite joke as an adult, but I have a favorite joke format or okay. form, yeah. uh, which is the pun. I, I <gasps> love a good pun. <sighs> I think we were talking okay. about puns on Saturday. Yes. And I just feel like puns do not get the respect that they deserve. You have to be like a little bit of a word cell to use the sort of modern terminology. And my favorite thing is when like puns sort of like take off on Twitter, like someone will like start a pun and then everyone in their replies is just like building on the pun, adding new dimensions. So first of all, I love a pun. We should incorporate that more into our lives. You mentioned that you're competitive and that you like puns. Have you ever considered competing in the Punderdome? Oh my gosh. And do you know what that is? Yes. Okay. So there's a live event in New York. It's uh, by a comedian, Joe Firestone. And I think it was also her starting it with her dad. It's in Brooklyn where you now famously live. And I think that we should go and I think we should compete. Maybe we should. I, How fun would that be? They say like, don't turn your hobbies into jobs. I keep turning all the things <laughs> I love into jobs. And so yeah. it would be really funny if I became like a professional pun person. Yeah. But that actually sounds amazing. So let's, let's yeah. add that. We've got tennis. We've got puns. I'm there. I'm stoked. I'm down. I've never gone. It's been on my list for several years. And I think we should get a crew together and go to the Punderdome. Really Maybe take this we thing just, to the like, map. go to observe like first <gasps> go for, yep, and then okay. we go to when. Okay. All right. I love that. Do a little recon, a little reconnaissance. Totally. And in the meantime, we should only speak in puns just to practice, but not this podcast. Right. <laughs> I would need like another latte for that. <laughs> okay. Well, good to know. So the other thing you were saying is that as a kid, you had a collection of jokes. I had a collection of jokes and my favorite, so I was like kind of a judgy, a judgy child. (laughs) What do you mean by that? I was really into like, you know, smoking is bad. Right. And so if my sister and I would be somewhere and someone was smoking, we'd like start coughing very dramatically. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like near the person. So maybe it's no surprise that my, my go-to joke was, what did the big chimney say to the little chimney? You're too young to smoke. I thought that was ah, hilarious. Great joke. Like the ultimate burn. So yeah, I mean, as you can imagine, I was like a total dare kid. I was, I was yeah. on board. Yeah. Um, I was evangelizing. Yep. And uh, and I've literally never had a single puff of a cigarette in my in my <gasps> wow. entire life. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. My grandfather actually paid us not to. Really? Yeah. I hope my mom doesn't mind me telling this story. She smoked briefly. My grandfather was like very upset about this. Hmm. And he said, Kim, if you stop smoking, I will give you like a hundred dollars every year to like mark Mark nice. that achievement. And yeah. I, I'm guessing she didn't do it for the money because that's not a lot of money. But I think it was one of those things that like got her. And then she has three siblings. I think they all maybe made a hundred dollars a year from not Ooh. smoking. And at a certain point I was, you know, my mom was like a, you know, a full adult with like a preteen child. And he decided to transfer that 
uh, that sort of payment and pledge to me. And it wasn't so much the money, although I'll always take a hundred dollars. I am like, I really like being a trustworthy and dependable person. And the idea that like my grandfather was like in this like pledge with me meant a great deal. And so, and also like, I just, you know, I'm not into cigarettes, so it wasn't too hard, but yeah, I mean that stopped probably by the time I got to like, you know, 20 or something, but for a while (laughs) it was a, it was a good arrangement. Good, good job. Good work. If you can get it. Yeah, really? So I was also a total dare kid in essence. We didn't have Mm -hmm. a dare program, but I was very anti-drug I don't remember being judgy about it, but I have a feeling if my best friends from growing up heard me say that, they would probably have a different opinion. And my mom actually weaponized me against smokers in our life because at age, I think three or four, she taught me to say smoking is a dirty, disgusting, bad habit and just launched me at whomever was maybe smoking in our lives, which in retrospect is so savage to just have this like little toddler walking up to you and like cutely basically begging you not to smoke. (laughs) That's like way more explicit than the Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes, indeed. Oh my goodness, Alexis. That is funny. Our mom should hang out. I would like for the record to say I was less judgy starting in high school, but by then, okay. as we know, I had transformed into a jock. And so of course, like, I of course. my duties as a very serious future professional athlete quite seriously. And right. so, yeah, I was like pretty square in high school. Yeah, me too. Speaking of childhood, what is your most childlike trait? I hate making my bed. Really? Yeah. It just, it doesn't make any sense to me. Like it's just okay. going to like get messed yeah. up again. Yeah. I'll, I'll like throw the covers in the general direction, but will I go and like tuck everything in and make it look nice just for myself? No. But of course, like if, and when you come over, um, like it will be beautifully made and, you know, we will preserve the fiction that my house is always perfect all the time. But yeah, I just don't like making my bed maybe because it was a chore Mm. growing up. And I always had a bed that was like up against the wall. Yep. You got to do the tuck, the comforter tuck. It's so hard. It's, yeah. it's the hardest thing in the world. So, um, so yeah, I just like, this is my adult rebellion against that, that sort of childhood duty. You know, you're not the only person even on this podcast to say that they don't understand the utility of a made bed. Yeah. You're yeah. not alone. Actually, you're supposed to not make it right away for like, I think like what? you want like sheets to air out or something. I don't want to get gross, but like, yeah, I think like you're not supposed to make your bed right away when you get out of it or Or maybe that's just like, you know, made up facts I've been fed to feel better about my life choices. But, um, but yeah, like look, look into it, Alexa. Okay. I'm going to have to fact check that only because I literally start making my bed while I'm still in it. Like I pull the covers up to my neck and then I like kind of slide out most of the time. (laughs) Like slide out through like the bottom of the bed. Exactly. (laughs) It's like you were never there. Yeah, exactly. That's right. It's interesting to me that it was an act of rebellion. Is there anything else like that in your life where you had to do it as a kid and so you don't like to do it anymore? Oh, man. It's so funny because when you're a kid, you think you're going to, once you're an adult, like I'm going to eat dessert for <laughs> for dinner. And now all yeah. I want for dinner are like lots of vegetables. Seriously. Yes. I love vegetables. I also love vegetables. I remember the first time we had dinner together, you were being so polite. You're like, is it okay if we like order like this vegetable dish. And I was like, can we get, can we get two of them? And then it was like, oh, I think, I think this is going to work. I think we're going to. Right. Well, we realized we're meal compatible. We're dining compatible. compatible. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's, which is very important. Yes. Very important. Like a, a friendship can survive dining incompatibility. It's so much easier. Cause I also think like, like dining is my favorite social event and like oh, really? sharing food mm. feels like, Oh, I love eating and sharing <laughs> food feels like makes it extra special. Right. Versus I like, I have my plate and you have yours. Like we're like trying all the same things and yes. it feels so much more communal and so much more intimate. I mean, I, I say it's not a deal breaker for a friendship, but it probably would yeah. be a deal breaker for a relationship for me. Like, cause I yeah. also want to maximize every meal and try as like many dishes that look good that are like appropriate for two people. I'm aligned on all of that. And especially the part about that enabling you to try more things at the restaurant, which I consider something that's like very important to me. Totally. Also, you know, especially if you're going to a restaurant for the first time and mm -hmm. you're kind of like scoping out, like, am I going to be a repeat customer? And am That's I going right. to churn? You want to give them a fair shot, right? Like you want to, yes. I also do like a lot of research before a restaurant. Like I mm -hmm. kind of know what I want to have Me coming too. in. And, and a lot of that is like, this is my job as a customer is to like, you know, really get the full experience or as much yeah. as one can have. I take it very seriously. What's your go-to site for restaurant sleuthing? Well, I do use Yelp, which kind of feels like a little outdated. Yeah, I agree. If I'm already going somewhere, a lot of restaurants that had four stars in New York pre-pandemic now have 3.5. And I'm pretty sure it's because like restaurants have just had a tough time and they've been yeah. understaffed and it makes me so angry. So I'm actually on a bit of a strike from Yelp right now. And okay. I'm not normally like a 3.5 star situation would turn me off and I'm just ignoring me it. too. I'm sure that people would find that irrational, but I totally agree. Yeah, no, I, I find it very upsetting. Like I feel, I feel very protective of restaurants and it's funny because we were on the road for two years. Oftentimes we were reading every meal at a restaurant. And so, you know, we saw a lot of restaurants where, you know, like we were either their only customer or they were apologizing for understaffed. They were like, it's just an industry that's been hit so hard. And I feel like everyone gets like a bonus star. And I've also mm -hmm. had great dining experiences, all those places that I've been to since being back. So um, I also like looking at like the UGC What's the UGC? Oh, sorry. User-generated content. Oh, <laughs> okay. I definitely thought that was like a restaurant website that I've never heard of. I can't believe you just subtle. I can't believe the casualness with which you just said, I also like to look at the UGC. Oh yeah. I mean, sorry. This is, this is the, after being at a consumer beauty company I'm for three you. years, no, I have all you. sorts of terms, but again, they're like illegal on this podcast. That's true. My compliance team is going to crack down. I know we'll, we'll sort of bleep out the UGC. That's right. <laughs> no, I'll do some sleuthing. Like I'll go to the restaurant's Instagram page, but I'll see what people I, tagged. Yep. Um, oh, and, and okay. Yeah, yeah. Not what the restaurant is posting, hmm. but what people are posting or like the location tag. Sometimes I'll look at the tagged photos of a restaurant if I don't know how fancy it is in terms of what people are expected mm. to wear. Or if I'm trying to see yeah. is this the right level of fanciness versus casualness for whatever event I'm planning. If it's just a couple friends getting together and I see lots of photos yeah. of people in like this really elaborate night out situation, I'm like, eh, that's probably not the vibe for us. Yeah, totally. Although I feel like we live in such chaotic fashion times, almost anything yeah. goes. I, I should probably start being a little bit more vigilant about 
appropriate. Well, I'll just wear like a wedding dress. You'll just um, wear a wedding dress. Exactly. And I will as well. Yeah. And I think that that will protect <laughs> us from future. I think wearing wedding dresses exclusively to restaurants will protect us from future embarrassment. I mean, I could wear my literal wedding dress. I was going to oh, yeah. sell it. And then the pandemic happened. <gasps> and then I was like, I should give it away. Someone who wants to do a pandemic wedding. But then we left our house and didn't know we wouldn't be returning. And so everything mm. got packed up. If anyone needs a wedding dress, yeah. you know, find me on Twitter. I, I have one. Okay, but then you're not going to be able to wear it to dinner. So that's true. Have you considered that? All right, meet me at dinner. You can check it out. And if you like it, we'll go into the bathroom and do a little Perfect. Yes. Ashley and I will be modeling wedding dresses at dinner, (laughs) four-star restaurants only. (laughs) This is is really going off the rails, but we're going to do it. We're going to do it. I'm excited. Okay. What three words would your closest friends or family use to describe you? Oh, man. I mean, okay, let's just acknowledge that, like, hopefully they're not bad words, right? Because they're your closest friends. Yeah, yeah, you can do positives. I'm going to do, like, positive words. But there are certainly, like, critiques that I think they might share. (laughs) Trustworthy. I, I, like, really, 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 really value trust above all things, like, professionally, personally. Like, I want to be consistent, dependable, loyal. I I like secrets. So a great keeper of secrets. Um, Otherwise, you don't get them. Hot takes. I want them all. I'll, I'll never make you regret it. Adventures, I think. Ooh. I'm like, I've become kind of like a default yes person, meaning like I want to say yes to things. And uh, not to be confused with <laughs> default alive. <laughs> default alive, which is like the sexiest way to describe a business these yeah. days. My portfolio is default it's alive. It's actually default alive. <laughs> It's like bigger than a unicorn. Wow. Huge. (laughs) Huge. I'll do like a lot of things for the story of doing it. Mm, I don't mean like so I can brag about it, but like what is life? It's not a collection of experiences and stories. And so my favorite recent example is a friend who I will not name drop, but she knows who she is. Like, let's go to El Salvador and go to surf camp for a week. Hmm. And that was like not high on my priority list. Yeah. But I was also like, yes, we should absolutely do that. And so we spent a week surfing and like learned how to surf and then also worked and it was beautiful and I'm so glad I did it. So, so yeah, like hopefully adventurous. That trip sounded so fun. It was so fun. We'll either make it a thing or we'll Mm -hmm. make it the non-technical. Yes. uh, Oh my God. I do think the non-technical vacation has to be somewhere warm. Don't you think? It just feels right. It has to be. And also like the only rule for non-technical vacation would be no talking about work, (gasps) which is in the spirit of the podcast. And you'd have like all these like super impressive, interesting people. But guess what? They're also interesting outside their jobs. So um, we could do games like we could play games. We could play Wordle on our phones while like sitting in a circle. Like my dream, my dream social situation. Oh my God, I want this to happen so, so badly. I think we're going to manifest it. We just need more incense. We're manifesting it, right? Yeah, we need... (laughs) Oh God. Oh yeah. And then the last one is actually, not to make this like a therapy session, but (laughs) I had a couple of friends describe me as empathetic recently and it really stuck with me because I see myself as like kind of a robot really wait what does that mean to you I'm not like a a feelings first person but you know as I'm getting older as I'm doing the work I'm realizing that doesn't mean I don't have feelings it just might mean that I'm not spending time with them or recognizing Mm. them 
and it's something that like, you know, it's like I want to work on, but yeah. it made me happy that my friends don't see me that way. Like, I think our mm-hmm. narratives about ourselves are so powerful and it's really hard to challenge them maybe more so than any other story we tell ourselves like the story of who like it's really helpful to have friends who are like actually I see you this way and and Mm. if that's better than how you see yourself that's that's such a gift. Wow. Okay. That's awesome. That is, I forgot about that. The emotion thing that is so fascinating to me because I just like feel exactly the opposite. (laughs) I'm like, my emotions, they're very in touch. I'm very in touch. They're spilling out everywhere all the time. No, it's great though. Yeah. yeah. Well, some, sometimes you could do like, like an emotional, like donation, an emotional transplant. I would donate some of my emotions to you truly anytime to say the word. Okay. So trustworthy, adventurous, and empathetic. What a trio. I know. Like I'm an incredible person. (laughs) I feel so lucky. I I couldn't agree more. What are, wait, what are your three? Sorry. I'm going to turn this back on you. I don't know. When people tell me theirs, I sort of sometimes think, oh yeah, that's probably one of mine. That's probably one of mine. Yeah. So I had someone on and I think we, I think sensitive or emotional is probably going to make the list, Mm. but it depends who you'd ask because I think sensitive would be framed as a negative, but to me, it's actually a very positive thing. It just gets, it often gets equated with like weakness or like being overly sensitive, but being sensitive can actually be a very positive, powerful thing because it can mean that you're perceptive, you're aware, you might be a little bit more understanding because you're sensitive to someone else's needs because you're in touch with your own. There's a lot of positives, but I think my friends, probably my mom would be like, yes, she's sensitive. (laughs) We, we just need to do a little PR for, for we do. Yeah. Yeah. Ashley, what is the tiniest hill you're willing to die on? Something inconsequential that you would really go to bat for. I think that this Hill is actually very worthy of dying on and might prevent potential death. But a lot of people think it's really tiny. Oh and God. that is, I don't consume any food that is past the expiration date. Ooh. Yeah. And I like, you know, oh, it's a sell by date. There's a no, like whatever that date is, starting uh-huh. on that date, I will not touch that milk, yogurt, cheese, sure. meat, sure. whatever. I think like once I know the date, And if it is, you know, if it's in the past, I cannot enjoy that food, even if it tastes perfectly fine. Hmm. And, you know, it's like the the risk reward portion of my brain. It's like, do I really want to eat this like turkey enough that I'm willing, I'm willing to potentially risk my life. And um, it was funny because today... I think I've mentioned lattes like five times during this podcast, which is super weird. No, that's not weird. It's a big part. You have one every day. It's a big, it's a big part, it's a big of, part of your life. I hate mornings and you have to have something to get up for. And that is, that is it for me. So I was making myself a latte and got the milk out, like mm-hmm. pouring it into the little um, milk frother thing. And I put it back in the fridge and I like felt a smirk from my husband and I was like, wait a second. And I went back and I opened the fridge and the milk was like a week past his due date, which, and he was so amused and he was just going to let me do it. Oh my God. A week. Yeah. A week. Well, we had just come back from a trip and also like he will drink it. He'll just smell it. And if it smells yeah. fine, he'll be like, God, oh, that the confidence fine. of those like, people. Oh, totally. Totally. Like what if you have like a little, what if you have COVID? Wow. That's a great point. I mean, you probably have bigger problems in that case. Exactly. Wait, Ashley, I have some clarifying questions. Okay. So first question for you is 
Do all dates hold the same weight in your mind? Meaning sell by versus use by versus best by. Is it any date you will throw it out? Best buy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If that date mm. is there, that is okay. that is the date I stop consuming the product. Also, I'm not wasteful. I'll, I'll definitely like try yeah. to consume things ahead of that date, but after that date, it's dead to me. Okay. <laughs> not to be dramatic, but it's dead to me. <laughs> yeah, it's dead to me. It's either its life or mine, and I choose its. <laughs> and I support that. I support that. Thank you. Thank you. It's why I'm here today. You were here today for unbridled support and honest to God, that's what I'm here to deliver. So does this also apply equally to all types of food? As in you mentioned eggs, dairy, et cetera, meat, but what about chips, crackers, stuff that seems more shelf stable? Mm, Yeah. I have to say, I don't really like, I'm more likely to like bite into a cracker and be like, that tastes kind of stale. And then look at the date. So it's much more refrigerated items mm, that, I'm, that I'm keeping yeah. an eye on. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yes. Okay. And then my third question is, have you ever wavered from this? Have you ever risked it for the biscuit, so to speak? Yeah. I think like I've been peer pressured before. Yeah. And you know, it's traumatic. I don't like to talk about yeah, it, but like, I, I can't think of a specific <laughs> example, but I can imagine for instance. So like during our two years traveling around. We actually like lived with my parents for a while, which was lovely. And my dad is a really good cook and has like a pizza oven and we'd make pizza. And I know that like sometimes like the cheese, like the mozzarella maybe was like a little bit past its Mm -hmm. date, but I also knew that no one was going to indulge me on like, yeah, let's throw out all this mozzarella and go buy mozzarella. So so like I can I can get over it for the sake of not ruining a dinner. I choose not to. Right. Wow. Okay. Good to know. One of my mom's least favorite, I think, things about me visiting her. My mom and I are extremely close. I visit her all the time. She obviously loves me a lot. I love her as well. However, when I get to her house, I go through the refrigerator and I throw away everything that Mm. is either expired or past whatever, or in like a takeout container. And I know that it drives her absolutely insane because it's so offensive that I do that. I literally show up. And then as soon as I have access to the fridge, I do a sweep, a full sweep as though this woman did not rear me and bring me into this world. I'm like, you don't know how to keep your fridge clean. (laughs) I love it. Like I would pay you to do that in my house. And I feel like that's your love language, Alexis. Like you are trying to protect her. Honestly, true. That is a beautiful reframe. I'm going to play this part of the podcast for her. I mean, she better listen to all your podcasts. She's your okay, mom. that's what I thought. And then at a certain point, she kind of like stopped listening. And I was like, is it getting worse? <laughs> but it's because oh, she went no. back to work. She went back to work. She's a therapist. And now she does um, teletherapy. Your MAUs are going down. Your oh motherly God. active users. <laughs> That's so true. If this were a technical podcast, I would have like a lot more tech puns. I thought it was great. Thank you. I think the PPE, the puns per episode is actually very strong. So I appreciate that. Oh, I like it. Ashley, we're going to take a quick break. Then we'll be right back. This episode of Non-Technical is still brought to you by Bets Recruiting. Grab your popcorn and put your phones on silent because we're just getting started with our summer bets blockbuster. The return of bets recruiting. Two bets, two furious. Tagline, this time, all bets are on. If your professional life right now was a movie, what kind of character arc would we be working with? Are you struggling to find the one? 
And by that, I mean the perfect go-to-market hire. Do you need to take off your glasses and let your hair down in order for the world to see what your resume really has to offer? Or are you simply in search of adventure, curious about the career paths less traveled? Whatever your movie arc, Bet's Recruiting is ready to be your best supporting actor. Or should I say, (laughs) your Bet's supporting actor. I shouldn't, but I did. If you're hiring go-to-market talent or you are go-to-market talent, check out betsrecruiting.com slash non-technical. And we're back with Ashley Mayer, a startup comms pro turned investor. Ashley Mayer, we've arrived at a very exciting moment in this episode of Non-Technical. Are you ready? Is this the lightning round? Yes, it's the lightning round. What do you think? Should I put a sound in there? I've wondered if I should maybe have a special sound. You should have a sound. Maybe it's like the little Speedy Gonzalez sound or something. Like something that gets people starting to panic about how fast this is going to go. (laughs) It, it, spoiler alert, it does not go very fast. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I've, I've listened and you're familiar the rest of the episode. (laughs) When I started the show, I almost named it something different and nobody thought my ideas were funny. I almost named it the friends and family round. I thought that was funny. Oh, I like that. Thank you. I'll take a good venture pun. Any friends and family round. There were other fundraising round puns. It was like the series A or like the series D because it was at the end, something like that. Or like the recap. Ooh. You know, if you recap a ta- recapitalize a table. Anyway. Oh my God. Wait, I love that. That's like not a good thing. So, but again, I think the, the goal is to put someone like in a state of anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> I think we should name this. To, okay. To we're going to really, workshop uh, this. Yeah. We need to increase the amount of anxiety that people have on my show. There needs to be a pun, right? Like I think this, yes. I think this podcast is lacking like a solid pun. Mm -hmm. It's feedback that hurts to hear, but I do know that you're right and we should, we should do it. I came here to say this, Alexis. I knew that coming on the podcast was the only way to get you the to listen uh, to this feedback. And, and actually, this is my all intervention. The other guests, and we all agree. Um, and they sent me here as like the comms pro turn Man. To, to deliver this news as gently as possible. Like this podcast is lacking in pun. It hurts. But if I had to hear it from someone, I am glad it was you. So I appreciate it. Yeah, I say it with Okay. Love. Ashley, my first question, coffee or tea? I think I've already answered this yes. one uh, like 20 times. So, I mean, coffee category, but specifically a latte. And and you have a latte every morning. You know, whether I'm on vacation or on the road. And actually, yeah. when we were on the road, this became a really important part of my life because I really missed having like a neighborhood and like as yeah. easy as it sounds, a community, people, people who you don't like know, who aren't your friends, but like strangers that you recognize yes, and they're totally. no longer strangers. And it's really hard to cultivate that when you're traveling. And so if we were in a city for a week, I knew we would go to a different restaurant for every meal, mm-hmm. but my morning latte was my chance to have some mm. like repeat interaction and develop a little ritual. And on day two or three, like the barista would be like, Oh, like latte oh. with whole milk. And I'd be like, <laughs> oh. yes. And it felt it felt so magical. Uh, latte all the way. And I have managed to hunt down lattes in uh, very unique circumstances and geographical locations. And I know it's high maintenance, but if I can't get a latte, I just like won't have a latte. Like, but sure. that's, you know, that's the, that's the worst case scenario. So okay. Long answer to a simple question. But an important answer to an important but question. An important answer. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a favorite board game? So my favorite board game is Scrabble for sure. Oh yeah. Word games. 
very good at it. I'm also very good at simple math. So like after I beat you, I will also add up the score in a really <laughs> impressive way. And just to drive it home that multi-talented. I love Rebel and I feel like Wordle is like only going to make me stronger. Yeah. I do that. That's like a latte and Wordle is my morning routine. Wow. I have not yet not gotten a Wordle. Wow. So how long is your streak? Sadly, I broke my streak because I had like one crazy day and just forgot. But somewhere in like the one, one thirty. Wow. That's a lot. If I hadn't gotten it this morning, I think we would have had to reschedule this. Do you have a pump up song? I don't have a hard time getting pumped up. I have like a harder time calming down. Oh, do do you have a wind down song? Yeah, I actually have gotten kind of into classical music, which Mm. sounds very fancy and pretentious to say, but I am not a music person. Like I like, I just like, I like music. If I like me, it doesn't have to be, you know, some big artistic triumph, but yeah, I've found that, um, classical music is really good for winding down. And I, I kind of just let Spotify, like bring me new classical music. That's my wind down. Okay, Ashley, this is my final song. My final song. My swan song. <laughs> this is my final oh, question for you. Oh, I want you to you. sing, Alexis. Okay, all right. What would you title your memoir? Well, I used to joke that I would write a memoir in my first startup job because it was like really fun and crazy. Yes. And we were like figuring it out as we went along. And I had a title for that hypothetical memoir, yes. which is going to sound very loaded, but it's not. That title is Waiting Outside the Men's Room. <gasps> It was because my CEO, Aaron Levy, was like incredibly fast, like fast talking, fast moving. Mm. And we would be at a conference for like, you know, we'd have media interviews or speaking. Mm. And I knew that if I let him out of my sight, I would never get him again. Oh and so gosh. if he had to go to the bathroom, I would like wait outside the men's room so that yes. he could not escape me. Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> which I always, which people were, it's like, what are you doing? Not now. (laughs) And then maybe, maybe like my more like serious title for my memoir would be a late bloomer. (gasps) Oh, I love that. Well, I'm still waiting for boobs. So like fingers crossed. (laughs) But just generally, I think like certain things have come slower for me, like Hmm. a really solid group of friends or like learning how to do my hair. But I also love the optimism embedded in, in that, um, Hmm. in that term, because it's this idea that like your life will keep getting better. You will keep getting better. And I think especially working in an industry where you feel a lot of pressure to like make it really young. Like if you haven't had an exit by the time you're 25, like, you know, it's like, Oh, this, this like industry has passed you by, which is of course not the case. Mm -hmm. A lot of good things compound. And I'm like optimistic for the future. And I kind of just assume my life will keep getting better. I will become a better person. And so um, let's go with that very optimistic memoir title. Wow. I love an optimistic memoir title. Well, in the spirit (laughs) of late bloomer, I hope that things continue to grow very well for you. Thank you. you. Uh, That's beautiful. Um, A little, a little quasi pun to, to end the episode. It, that's exactly right. Ashley, thank you so much for coming on Non-Technical. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Alexis. It was so much fun. Ooh. 
where can people find more about you? Not Instagram. <laughs> Not Instagram. Let's say Twitter, where all the puns are at. Um, sure. And my Twitter handle is just my name, Ashley Mayer. Amazing. And you can find me at Yay Alexis Gay on Twitter and Instagram or at Non Technical Pod on Twitter. Once again, Ashley, I so, so, so appreciate you coming on and I can't wait to chat again soon. Me too. All right. I'll see you on the tennis court. <laughs> Bye. 